Hello from the East Coast to the West Coast and to listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers radio show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. We're broadcasting on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com and their affiliate stations. Also, don't forget, you can always learn more about our program and find podcasts posted at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Dr. John Hall. He's an expert and author on electronic gang stalking. And today I'm going to talk to him about his second book called Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. I first interviewed Dr. Hall about three years ago on his first book called A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Dr. Hall is a medical doctor from San Antonio, Texas, and both of his books deal with the phenomenon of electronic harassment and organized stalking. He is a board he is board certified in anesthesiology and pain management and runs a busy practice specializing in chronic pain therapy and stem cell therapy. Dr. Hall has treated numerous patients that have complained of various types of electronic harassment which we're going to discuss today. He is one of the very few medical doctors that deals directly with electronic harassment and the victims involved. So if you will help me welcome Dr. John Hall. How are you doing today, Dr. Hall? Good, Angeline. It's been a while, huh? Yeah, and thanks so much for coming back to talk to us. Now, to refresh our memory, or maybe for those listeners that didn't hear the first interview that we did, can you just give us a brief definition of just what satellite terrorism is or electronic harassment, gang stalking? What are these things? Sure. Basically, the kind of the, the short course in it is there's no laws against the government experimenting on the public. So whenever new technologies arise that can be weaponized, um, there's nothing stopping the government from black budgeting the research and experimenting on the public. And what we saw in the first book was just the story of one girl that I dealt with was someone that's being victimized by this weaponry that's taking advantage of the electromagnetic spectrum in order to bind with the human nervous system, also called psychotronic weaponry. <clears throat> so basically, in short, someone who's being followed around by people they don't recognize, not stalking by a loved one, but organized stalking by a group that's doing experimentation. And it comprises being attacked with directed energy weapons, you know, complaints of heart rate manipulation, twitching, you know, burning of the skin, uh, along with hearing the voices of the people actually doing the attacking in your head. It's it's specific to one person, only they can hear it. But the best way to, would, to describe it would be a victim that's sitting at home being attacked by, you know, this myriad of weaponry. And at the same time, hearing the voice of the person doing it, telling them that they're they're being attacked. Now, in your first book, you mentioned this girl, but you were also a victim in the first book because you were directly tied to this girl. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. She, I had been engaged to her, and um, then she came to me with a story that you know she was uncomfortable going to anyone else with. Uh, for fear of, of, you know, being sent to a psychiatrist, which typically happens with most of these victims. Uh, and since I knew a little bit about the technology already and, and the complaint sounded familiar, um, did a little checking, spent some money, did some, some research, and actually wired up her place for sound um, to see if we could catch the people breaking in. And sure enough, she was being followed around by uh, a group, a private investigative group that's owned by a former FBI agent who hired nothing but family members, uh, got five or ten different plate numbers that all traced back to this PI group. Uh, and then after I started helping her, then they started following me around and breaking into my house and vandalizing my vehicles and the whole rest of it. And actually, this group has had multiple complaints to the um, Texas Board of Safety in Texas, which is the board that um, licenses PIs, and each victim that's complained has been told that this group has never had any complaints. So um, there's definitely some protection going on, it appears, and that uh, essentially this experimentation is kind of being allowed to be done by these isolated groups that are allowed to access the technology. So you wrote the first book just 
primarily out of that scenario that you described. So then what led you to write the second book, Guinea Pigs Technologies of Control? Well, I'll tell you what, after writing the first book and then doing, you know, radio shows like yours and, and others, as people heard the story, um, there was really not much out at, at the time when um, a new breed came out online or certainly no books out on the phenomenon. And after I started doing radio shows, I started getting just literally thousands of emails a day. Uh, as a matter of fact, a couple of radio shows I did, I, they, my, the server actually had filled up the, the memory capacity that I had on emails of people saying, oh, my God, this is happening to my son or my daughter or my wife. And you know, we've been to multiple psychiatrists and we've been on meds. We've had electroconvulsive therapy and it's not going away. And, you know, the the first book, A New Breed, is essentially a little bit on the technology, but mostly the story of what happened to this girl and to myself as I tried to help her. Well, all of a sudden, I'm being bombarded with these people saying, oh, my God, this is happening to us. You know, we've been to everybody. Nobody seems to have any answers. Um, now we kind of have an understanding of what it is, which was the goal of the first book all along, was basically just to expose that this is happening as crazy as it sounds, as sci-fi as it sounds, that it is happening. Um, but then once people started asking more about the technology, then I thought I'd better dive in a little bit deeper, talk to some contacts that I have within some government institutions and and have some better answers and some pointers on how to avoid the pitfalls that a lot of these targeted individuals, as they refer to themselves, fall into when they start voicing these complaints. And that is actually why I decided to publish guinea pigs. Okay. Now, when reading your book, you talk about something called uh, non-consensual experimentation and that it actually stems all the way back to Operation Paperclip. And you go on to say that psychiatrists and medical doctors and physicists, uh, physicists were brought to the U.S. to do this type of work. Can you tell us more about that historical piece of this? Sure. Operation Paperclip, when World War II ended, um, you know, as unethical as the experimentation was that the Germans had done, a lot of it the you know, American government saw as, as valuable research. So rather than these scientists be tried at the Nuremberg trials, the, at the time it would have been the OSS, um, the, the early form of the CIA, decided that it was more valuable to national security to bring these people here and let them continue their research rather than have them tried at the Nuremberg trials. So there was a whole group of scientists doing, I mean, a, a myriad of research, rocket research, you know, um, aerodynamics research, mind control research, uh, physics research, that were all brought here and allowed to finish their research under Operation Paperclip. And, and that's, I mean, I, I don't know how many of your readers don't know that, but that's pretty common knowledge. Uh, there's been a lot of books written on it. And a lot of the people that don't believe that, here in San Antonio, we actually you know, had the, uh, the father of aerospace medicine was a, a, a scientist of the last name of Strughold. And for a long time, our um, library at one of the military bases here in San Antonio was called the Strughold Library, named after one of the scientists that was brought over here uh, on Operation Paperclip. So, I mean, this was, you know, our government wrapped their arms around these doctors, you know, and brought them over to continue their research. So are you saying that possibly the government is behind a lot of the, these attacks that we're see seeing today in one form or another? Yeah, pretty much I would say all of them. The government's, you know, ultimately behind them because this isn't technology that you or I can get online or get with a company and, and purchase and, and have available at our fingertips to harass someone. You have to have a clearance. You have to be given access to this technology. And um, uh, at the Rockefeller Commission and the Church Committee hearings, the CIA kind of got their hand slapped for their MKUltra research, which this is a continuation of MKUltra, which was the early mind control research. Billions of dollars were spent on I think 189 different sub-projects of how to control a human being. Well, the Rockefeller Commission and the Church Committee hearing, this all came to light, and they tried to shred most of the documents. They weren't able to shred the financial documents. They were in a different library. 
So we did get access to those. A number of books have been written based on the freedom of information that came out about MKUltra. So what came to light after that, after the hearings, was the research didn't stop. They just figured out ways to bury it better. And, and even during MKUltra, most of it was being done through truck companies, corporations that were fake corporations that were opened by the CIA. They did their best to hide it then. So now what's happening is they're basically allowing private investigative groups and other groups to have access to the technology. They can use it on whoever they want to use it on carte blanche as, as long as the data gets back to the appropriate agency. So, you know, there, there's a bit of you know, logistical denial there if any of these groups get caught. Well, I'm certain that the NSA or the CIA would just say, oh, well, they hacked into the system and they weren't supposed to have access. But that's not the case. Okay, well, Dr. Hall, let's take our first break. Listeners, today my guest is Dr. John Hall. He's the author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Today we're discussing his book. It's on a subject called, um, on a subject related to electronic harassment. And we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic Lows. You can't afford to wait. So call 800-965-1291-800-965-1291-800-965-1291. You can control your health care with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is an alternative to expensive health insurance. You can finally make the right decisions for you and your family. It's not insurance. It's medical cost sharing. You can affordably control the cost of your medical expenses. It's a group of individuals effectively sharing the cost of health care and paying far less for it. You don't even have to pay for procedures that are unnecessary or that violate your conscience. This is based on shared values. You are not alone. With Liberty Health Share, you're part of something bigger, a group of people who care for and support one another. Join the movement of people who share in medical costs and change the way you pay for your health care forever. It's simple and easy. Call 1-800-714-6993 right now for more information or visit libertyoncall.com. Get a free estimate today. Liberty Health Share. There is an answer. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and we're discussing electronic harassment. Dr. Hall, I think the average U.S. citizen, average American, you know, they're used to this mindset where it seems that the American government parades around in this banner of human rights. That's why they say we're going here, there and everywhere to try to, you know, spread, you know, democracy. So I could see where the average person, when we say that the government might be behind these attacks, would would probably have a hard time believing it. What would you say to someone that might be, you know, that might think, well, there's no way that our government would do something like this. Well, you know, you always base a, a government's behavior on their past behavior. And um, that's the one thing I made perfectly clear in guinea pigs. When you look at the history of non-consensual experimentation that I laid out in guinea pigs and check the references, they're all there. Um, I don't think it leaves any doubt in the reader's mind that, you know, this has gone on. It goes from MK Ultra to 
the radiation experiments. For those who don't know, you know, we the government released um, radioactive clouds of iodide over radioactive iodide over major cities to see how many cases of thyroid cancer would arise. And most of that was done in New Mexico and Arizona. And just for you know, for your listeners' interest, most of these victims that came forth with radiation sickness were told the same thing that these people being experimented on with directed energy were told. They were told that it was it was anxiety, they were crazy, it was delusional, you know, there was nothing wrong with them, or it was a mystery illness but not caused by anything that the government did. Well, then fast forward to the 80s when Clinton was president, we had the Acre hearings, and he called in all the data from the CIA and the NSA and the Army, the DOD, a myriad of other agencies, and they all admitted that, yes, you know, we, we did experiment on the public with radiation. So if we're dealing with a government that's more than willing to experiment on on people with radiation, um, would the reader really think that they're going to stop at experimenting on people with directed energy, which essentially is is seen as non-lethal technology, except that it does destroy your life when you go around telling people that you're being attacked by it because it's unseen. So those people are invariably sent to a psychiatrist and, and diagnosed as schizophrenic or delusional, you know, for thinking that it's happening. And typically what we've seen with our government is that goes on for about 20 or 30 years. Then the press finally gets a hold of it. There's a big media exposure like happened um, with Guatemala. Um, and then you have Hillary Clinton or whoever will be the State Department person at the time that comes out publicly to offer a big apology. And, of course, by then – Many of the direct victims that were experimented on are, are, are gone, either by natural causes or killed by the experimentation or sickness. And really what's left are the survivors, the family members that had thought that that person was crazy all along. So the victim doesn't get vindicated oftentimes until it's you know after their death. So I, I think anybody that reads guinea pigs, if they still believe that our government doesn't practice non-consensual experimentation, they need to do a little further reading so now when you talk about directed energy, just for clarity's sake, what exactly, that's just, that's just one of the forms of technology weapons they use. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Directed energy is basically they've, they've created weapons based on the electromagnetic spectrum from radio, radiation-type weapons all the way through visible light weapons, um, radio frequency weapons that specifically are designed to bind with the, the human nervous system. The Russians call this psychotronic weaponry. And just for the listeners, the, our government has never essentially admitted to having these weapons, but the Russians have. And as a matter of fact, in a, a speech a couple of years ago, Putin made the comment that Whichever country had the best psychotronic weaponry would control the globe without bullets or missiles. And what he meant by that was you don't need bullets or missiles if you control the decision-making. And these weapons stem back to use in the Verona project uh, in the old Soviet Union when they noticed that everyone in our embassy uh, in the Soviet Union, including Nixon, whenever they went there, they would have emotional outbreaks, severe depression, severe headaches, um, a myriad of, of physical problems, and it was all coming from what they called the woodpecker signal. And it was a signal, an RS signal, that the Soviets were using to bombard the embassy intentionally to make people sick. And that's kind of where what set the research off in our country. They said, oh, my God, you know, if radio frequency weapons will do this to the people in our embassy, that's something we need to have. So that kind of jettisoned the research in this country into it. And unfortunately, in our country, even though Senator John Glenn tried to pass legislation in Congress making informed consent a requirement for government-sponsored research, that failed in Congress. We have a a system called a common rule, which is some very loosely written legislation that governs human experimentation financed by the government. But there's a lot of distractors in it that allow for black-budgeted research to go on without an IRB, Institutional Review Board. Uh, and with no oversight. So, and that's what we're seeing now, and that's what we saw in Guatemala. That's why Hillary Clinton, several years ago, had to give those people an apology after it came to light that we experimented on them through the CDC uh, and the American government uh, and set off a a, uh, series of bioethics commissions hearings that Obama set up 
um, to determine if any non-consensual experimentation was still ongoing. Now, Dr. Hall, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in these victim populations? I mean, how are they picking their victims for this harassment? Well, you know, from um, interviews that we've done and questionnaires that have been filled out by a number of the human rights organizations that handle this, we do see some trends. It is mostly um, females that seem to get victimized. Uh, mostly females living alone, whether that's through divorce or have just remained single all their lives, typically 35 and over. Uh, it doesn't seem to be, they don't seem to be targeting any specific religious group or any specific racial group. Um, and that's why it really reeks of experimentation, because when you look at the, the myriad of people, while each major city may have a a group that's performing the experimentation may be singling out certain people because it is carte blanche. They can do they can use it on whoever they want to use it on. You may see some some predilection in each major city, but when you look at the numbers of people nationwide and globally because it is a global problem, then you see that it's pretty much a hodgepodge and it's a total mix um, of people to make up a you know a, a good experimental sample. So while you may have, like in Palm Springs, there's a group that seems to be singling out gay men. Um, the group here seems to single out single women, and it's it's mostly sexually assault based. Um, other places, it's you know they may single out blacks or they may single out Muslims. But when you crunch all the numbers nationwide, uh, you have a random sample, you know, which is essentially what you want in any type of experimentation. In your book, you talk about something called a God helmet, that when it's put on a subject's head, it can make them think they're having either like an ex- a spiritual experience or being in the presence of a supreme being, being or even an alien. Is this, was this an older technology that is still being used today? I mean, are they able to maybe do something like this to people remotely now without this God helmet? Oh, yeah, that, that's being done remotely now. That was just to illustrate where the technology, where the research started. And that was actually done by Michael Persinger uh, at Laurentian University in Canada. He started out doing the microwave uh, and extremely low-frequency wave research for the Navy and probably somewhat still is funded by the Navy, even though he, he denies it. But in that particular early technology, you could put a person in a room with this helmet on, stimulate the right parts of the brain, with extremely low frequency waves and they would think that they were either abducted by aliens or that they were in the presence of God and to some extent that was through stimulating the brain to release DMT or dimethyltryptophan which is what they call the God molecule it, it causes that when the, that neurotransmitters in the brain but um, incidentally after doing that research Persinger also came out with a statement that he could probably eventually have the technology to control every brain on the planet using using extremely low frequency waves, ELF. Um, and that's what a lot of this experimentation seems to be getting done with: is extremely low frequency waves, scalar waves, um, types of um, waves within the electromagnetic spectrum that are difficult to shield. You know, that's that's a scary technology. Is that also um, related to your chapter on remote neural monitoring that this almost seemed to me there was a quote in there um something about you know the research was predicated on the assumption that thought is nothing more than covert speech so what i'm thinking is they're they're saying that now they can use this technology against people for their thoughts even though maybe their thoughts aren't carried out into actions do you see this for the future? Well, exactly. That, that's, that's where the research started. And, and actually, and, and I certainly will be the one to tell you that there, this research isn't all bad. You know, any, any type of new technology that comes down the pike like this, there's, there's good things that can happen with it. For instance, um, that type of brain decoding um, actually is what is used to control um, artificial limbs. You know, we have limbs for our guys that come back that are missing legs and missing arms from IED blast now that you can hook up to the uh, the partially amputated limb, and it picks up on L-wave signals in the brain and actually allows them to control that artificial limb 
using thought. And, and that is where that research started. They figured out that when you have a thought, if you're going to say something, you actually think it, you know, milliseconds before saying it. And this isn't something that's done consciously. It, it just happens. But you can actually pick up on those impulses that are pre-thought impulses before they get sent to the nerves of the larynx to generate vocal speech. And that will actually allow you to control a, you know, an artificial limb. But on the other hand, on the more evil side of it, you can pick that up and actually pick up pre-vocalization or thought. And that's why a lot of these victims can't figure out why, well, I, you know, I've got a, an alarm system in my house that has a code and they seem to know how to come in and, and get through my alarm system. Mm-hmm. Well, the way they do that is they either shut the power down up at the transformer so they're walking into a home that's been devoid of any electrical current, or they know your passcode because you have to think it before you actually type it in. So um, if they're if you're being actively monitored, then they will actually have your code every time you think of a new code. Well, to me, I mean, that's the ultimate loss of privacy, personal privacy, and that to me, it's just scary. Anyway, Dr. Hall, let's go ahead and take our second break. Listeners, today my guest is Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. We're discussing electronic harassment. We'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 855-371-FAST, 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 855-371-3278. This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details not available in all states. Want to lose weight? Then turn your body into a furnace that literally melts the fat away. That's exactly what Thermometer does. Thermometer is uniquely formulated with patented ingredients like bitter orange, brown seaweed, and decaffeinated green tea. Their combined thermogenic properties boost up your metabolism and turn up the heat in your body so you melt the fat away without any jittery side effects. Thermometer is not available in stores. It's only available to listeners of this station. We're giving away 100 free bottles right now to anyone who enrolls in our special trial offer. Call now for your risk-free trial offer. 800-430-4147 One more time, 800-430-4147 Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Dr. Hall, do you have a web address or can you tell the listeners how they can get your book? Uh, yeah, the book's available on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Uh, it's also um, available at www.newbreedmovie.com um, because there is a movie being made on a new breed. Uh, and on the, I'm on Facebook uh, under Guinea Pigs Technologies of Control as well. When do you think that movie will be done? The trailer is done. Uh, we're in the process now, and we've jumped through all the legal hoops to, to be able to uh, put the trailer in front of investors. And hopefully we'll be shooting this year and actually finishing the, the whole feature film. And it's called Targeted uh, for those um, that are kind of keeping track of that. And it is a, a newbreedmovie.com. And uh, there's actually the trailer can be viewed 
there as well. So we're hoping to get it done this year and try to get it into theaters. And uh, it is a, you know, a drama based on the, the first book. It's not being shot as a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of people come to me wanting to do a documentary, but we felt that it would um, would reach more people if we actually put it out as a drama. That's exciting. So. That's going to be a good one. You you mention in the book remote viewing and remote influencing. Can you kind of define these for us, and why would these technologies be used today? Well, remote viewing actually was uh, put off and tarred. Uh, did a lot of that early research, which um, Dr. Putoff, as a matter of fact, is a professor emeritus here in Texas at UT. Um, they did a lot of that research through uh, um, SSRI on a CIA grant, and that was kind of in the early research when you know they were studying you know psi phenomenon and ESP and. A lot of that started in the the Soviet Union. So then, of course, whatever they're working on, we're going to work on here. And they wanted to figure out a way if if people could remote view. And it was started as kind of a spy thing. And with people um, like Yuri Geller and uh, and other people that they thought had an innate ability to do it, where you could go into a trance-like state and they could give you coordinates and then you would be able to view those coordinates uh, remotely. Uh, in your mind. And uh, the Russians had worked on this for a long time, and a lot of it was successful, and it was kind of hit or miss. But the Russians had came to the conclusion that anybody had that ability. It was just a matter of tapping into you know, kind of a, a quantum physics type of phenomenon using ELF, that it was all an ELF phenomenon. And Interesting thing is under a CIA grant put off in TARG came to the conclusion that it wasn't ELF based, that it, it truly was psi uh, or ESP based and really had no way of being described. But my gut feeling is, is that they were probably told to present their research that way because the Russians held fast you know, to the fact that essentially with training, and some people innately and some people with training can tap into basically a low-level elf wave frequency and be able to influence or view things um, remotely. And, and then that's where remote influencing came in, and Baird, who was another researcher uh, here in Texas, actually took people at random off the street and would put them in one booth, put a recipient in another booth, and tell them to focus on actually changing the heat signature of the person in the other booth. And that actually succeeded. Um, That research was done successfully using skin galvanic response, where they did show that one remote influencer was able to remotely influence and change skin galvanic receptor, um, uh, skin galvanic receptors in a recipient. But also thinking that it all stems back to uh, just somehow or another actually uh, conducting a transmission through elf wave channels, extremely low frequency channels. You know, you spoke earlier in this interview about the voice to skull, and we talked a little bit about it in the first interview. Is there a way that a victim who suffers from this voice to skull technology, because I could see how that would pretty much almost drive somebody crazy, is there a way that a victim can disrupt or keep from hearing those voices if they're attacked? Yeah, we have worked on a, a few things. And the main thing that we were really trying to work on was figuring out a way to record it. But if you look, and this isn't novel technology. I mean, this has been well described in the research literature by the DOD um, in the uh, Army's uh, Addendum to Non-Lethal Weapons. They men- mentioned a valuable um, the importance of having voice to skull in using it in a hostage situation where you can communicate with the hostages without the hostage taker hearing. Uh, They go as far in the research to say that uh, imagine the destructive capabilities when an enemy combatant begins to hear voices in his head that are not his own. So, and that's coming straight from the the army research. So this, this isn't sci-fi. This isn't something that people are making up. It's been existence for some time. Uh, and it is being used on the public. And even they mentioned the inability to record it. You know, they put 
um, microphones in the ears of the people they experimented on. They put scalp electrodes on to try to record it. Uh, and because it works by uh, thermal expansion within the middle ear, that converts basically a mechanical acoustic wave to an electronic wave within the brain, there's really no way to record it. The government themselves can't figure out a way to record it. So we kind of stopped trying to go down that route and figure out ways to disrupt it. And one of the ways to disrupt it is to fill the room with other uh, ambient ELF waves, and they make an ELF wave generator that can do that. Uh, and the other way we've done it is by manip manipulating the EEG. As it turns out, you have to have an interference wave in the EEG. The simplistic, most simplistic way to describe it is you have two hemispheres of the brain, and in order for them to make you hear voices, they have to get one hemisphere working at one frequency, the other hemisphere working at another. Those two compete because the brain always tries to work homogeneously in one frequency. And as they compete to do that, they actually give off an interference frequency that can actually be received and decoded. So what we've been doing is taking people and using neuroprogramming to you know, induce a homogeneous frequency where both hemispheres are working at the same frequency. And oftentimes that will allow the person to not hear voices anymore. Mm, the reason they bombard these victims 24-7 with voices is to keep them entrained. That's an entrainment technique. And as long as you're entrained, then you're visible within the spectrum for the other hits from the other modalities of weaponry, and, and it's easier to track you. You know, what I found really sad is, you, and these were old numbers, I think these numbers were from 2006, that 7 million women and 2 million men in the U.S. have been stalked. And I can guess that now those numbers have increased. But your, what I think is important is your book talks about the inability of the victim's uh, more times than not to get dismissed as delusional by law enforcement. Can you talk about this, or have you have you known any victims that have gone through this? Oh, just about every single victim. Um, yeah, you know, and not to blame it squarely on the law enforcement, but they can only deal with what they can deal with. And, you know, when you get called out and it's somebody saying, well, I'm hearing voices and I know they're beaming something at me, you know, most law enforcement officials are largely ignorant that this technology exists. Uh, and, and they, on occasion, do have to deal with the mentally ill who also voice these complaints. Um, and there's there's no mystery that this was designed to mimic uh, mental illness. It was certainly deliberately designed to do that, you know, so that way as, you know, as these people being experimented on come forward to law enforcement, they are, they do get that diagnosis. Uh, yeah, just about all of them, um, you know, once they start to, to voice these complaints, get that, which was part of the reason for a new breed. Uh, the main reason I wrote that book was to expose that this technology exists. And one of the first interviews I did, um, I had a, a, an older gentleman call in and say, you know what, my son complained of this for five years. We took him to every psychiatrist. He was on every pill they make. And it never went away, and it wasn't until we read your book that now we understand that he was right all along. He was telling us the truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that acceptance, um, even though law enforcement may, may not be able to do anything about it, they can't do anything about it. Um, just the acceptance factor uh, makes it worthwhile for the victim. And that is slowly turning around. There's a city in California that... Uh, I met with through ISA Act, which is an organization um, that I sit on the board with. And they've had so many complaints um, in this little city in California that um, <clears throat> they finally had to call us and sit down and meet with us and, and kind of said, hey, what's going on? You know, this went from being five or six complaints a year to 20 or 30 a month, um, Redland, I think it's Redland, California. And um, actually, kind of passed a, a bill there where now the police actually have a, a, law, um, um, a sheet that they can go by when these people call in and they end up in a house and this person's complaining of these complaints. As long as they're not you know, exhibiting signs that they're a danger to themselves or someone else, then they get referred to ISA Act, um, you know, so they can get you know, educated on the topic. You know, rather than being taken in on a 5150. So we we have been making some steps on that. Um, there's a group in Arizona that has met with their city council in Phoenix um, because Phoenix and uh, that area has had a lot of complaints of people being experimented on. 
slowly but surely it's kind of coming around. And I've even had one victim in San Antonio that um, she called the police and one of the officers came and she described what was going on. And the officer himself told her, he's, well, it sounds like you're being electronically harassed, but I don't know what to do to help you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, you know, it's slowly changing, but it's been slow coming. And and you did talk about how ill-educated the psychiatric community in general is on that topic. Do you see any kind of groups forming or organizing specifically to maybe go around and educate these people? Is that something that's on the rise? Well, trying. There's a handful of psychiatrists and psychologists who now realize that this is a, a true issue and not mental illness. But you have to remember that all of these subprojects initially when the research began under MK Ultra, were headed up by psychiatrists, every single one of them. Um, as a matter of fact, Ewan Cameron, who was one of the worst uh, MK Ultra researchers, was the president of both the Canadian and the American Psychiatric Association. Mm. So at the very top of their organizations, they know damn well what's going on. But when you filter down to the psychiatrists that are you know, on the front lines in your, in your little hometowns, most of them are largely ignorant of it. They don't get taught anything about MKUltra or the abuses by psychiatrists when they're in residency. And to some extent, most of psychiatry is financially driven. Uh, most of them don't take insurance. Most of them are cash pay. And it's $300 an hour you know, for most of them to see a psychiatrist. So they're really more interested in diagnosing you through the DSM-5 or with an illness so they can rope you into office visits and put you on meds, which is actually one of the, the biggest um, distractors for these victims. True mental illness, true schizophrenia, you know, to some extent delusional disorder, but schizophrenia gets better on medication. Matter of fact, most of it, a lot of it goes away on medication. The problem is people who are truly schizophrenic, as they get better, feel like they don't need their medicine, then they stop taking and they relapse back into schizophrenia. Targeting doesn't get better with any medication, and it doesn't get better with any amount of psychotherapy. Um, you can be doped up on psych meds and still people are following you and still you're hearing voices and being attacked in your house. So once people do get uh, sent to a psychiatrist and they do get put on meds and none of it works, then that's a pretty good sign that they were experimented on and probably not mentally ill. Well, Dr. Hall, let's take our last break. Break, Listeners, today my guest is Dr. John Hall. He's the author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, We'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. Want to lose weight? Then turn your body into a furnace that literally melts the fat away. That's exactly what Thermometer does. Thermometer is uniquely formulated with patented ingredients like bitter orange, brown seaweed, and decaffeinated green tea. Their combined thermogenic properties boost up your metabolism and turn up the heat in your body so you melt the fat away without any jittery side effects. Thermometer is not available in stores. It's only available to listeners of this station. We're giving away 100 free bottles right now to anyone who enrolls in our special trial offer. Call now for your risk-free trial offer. 800-430-4147. One more time. 800-430-4147. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows. You can't afford to wait. So call, call 800-965-1291 800-965-1291 
Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and we're discussing electronic harassment. Dr. Hall, you know, once I listened to a conference call um, about gang stalking, I was just curious because I saw in the title this was going to be on gang stalking, and I wasn't really sure what it was going to be about, and I wanted to find out. But what I found were a lot of the victims that were on this call, they were telling their stories. A lot of them seem to be private investigators themselves. Have you heard of this? I mean, I know you said PIs a lot of time are behind the harassment, but I thought this was strange that they were the victims. Well, and you have to remember on a lot of these human rights organizations, a lot of them are infiltrated with people that are actually the ones doing the, the, the torment. So you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt, because from what the research and the counter surveillance that we've done, almost all of this is being done by by PI groups. Most of them headed up by former CIA, NSA or FBI personnel uh, that still retain the clearance. And, um, you know, and I mentioned that in guinea pigs, that you know, we're at a we're at a time in our, you know, in our governmental history where most of the intelligence is now being outsourced. So it, we no longer have governmental oversight on a lot of these people that have top-secret clearances. They're out and about among us uh, in the private sector. So once you've been given access codes to be able to get into some of these systems, you know, it's no longer a guy sitting up at Langley you know, or, or sitting at an NSA office at Fort Meade. A lot of it is a guy working for Halliburton or you know, working for Level 3 or you know, S- uh, SASI. So it's, um, you know, there's a lot of private contractors out there now that have intelligence clearances. So, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I mentioned in guinea pigs that needs to be, you know, kind of railed in. And certainly the human rights organizations that you hear having the teleconferences and things like that, certainly some of the people that are going to be joining in are actually going to be the perpetrators themselves pretending to be victims. Oh. You know, you mentioned Morgellons disease in your book, and of course, I've heard of this before, but I never imagined you said that possibly it's been unleashed by federal agencies to experiment on people. Can you talk more about this? Yeah, if you look historically at MKUltra, it was it was 189 subprojects varying from child behavior to adult behavior uh, to various modes of electromagnetics on how to control somebody. And if you look at the way the research is being conducted today, some people hear voices, some people just get attacked, some people get both, some people just get stalking, and some people are coming forward with what they have termed Morgellons disease. And the CDC has blown this off completely. They said, no, it's, you know, it's delusional um, parasitism, people that are delusional and thinking they're being parasitized by something. But in reality, I mean, there's physicians that are pulling out this non-human non-organic material out of people that have, you know, blue threads and red threads or, you know, or, or worse, you know, that are being removed from them. But the CDC refuses to, you know, to look at the data that's coming out of the, the private sector. Um, there was a, a whole group in Oklahoma City that had very convincing data and, and had samples that, you know, this is not human tissue. You know, this is, you know, inorganic things that we're pulling out of these people. Well, you know, then the CDC will say, well, it's probably something they've injected into themselves and then it festered up and then you were able to remove it. But if you look at the number of these victims uh, that are complaining of Morgellons, they're mostly in Florida, California and Texas. Well, if you look at the complaints of electronic harassment, the majority of it is in Florida, California and Texas. So I, what I think is that Morgellons may just be a different subproject of the same research. Now, you also talk about this Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. What is that, and what is the connection uh, with the victims of electronic harassment? The DSM is the manual that psychiatrists use to be able to diagnose you. Uh, as you know, there's no test for crazy. That's kind of how, as physicians, how we term it. 
Uh, like if I need to know if you've got high blood pressure, I can take your blood pressure. If I need to know you have high cholesterol, I can check your cholesterol. There's no way to check for mental illness. So what they do is they cluster symptoms uh, into cluster groups. And if you come in and you've got, you know, X number of these symptoms, then you fall into the cluster that's obsessive compulsive or you fall into the cluster that's delusional disorder. And, and that allows them to make a diagnosis in mostly for billing. So that way they have a code they can send to an insurance company uh, and bill it. You know, bill your meds or bill your treatment if they happen to take insurance, but most of them don't. Um, and the DSM-5 is the one that we're using now. And the DSM-5, even the author of the original DSM-4, who was one of the psychiatrists on the American Psychiatric Board, came in and out in disagreement with the DSM-5 because it initially they were going to have at-risk behavior as a diagnosis. So if your mom was depressed or your dad was depressed and then you end up put in front of a psychiatrist and they say, well, you know, you've got a family history of depression. So we're going to go ahead and diagnose you with at-risk behavior of depression, which gives them you know, a way to label you and gives them an excuse to put you on a medication. Uh, and it got as far as, and I interviewed several psychiatrists about the DSM-5 and even had several of them that told me point blank, well, we can diagnose you with just about every, we can diagnose everyone with something. Well, then that tells me that if you can diagnose everyone with something, then maybe you're basically diagnosing people with normal reactions to everyday stress. You know, if you have someone pass away, certainly you're going to be depressed. We would expect you to. Uh, if you're stressed out financially, you may exhibit some behaviors that, you know, maybe are not the norm for you, but you're under duress. And there was a, it almost looked as though when they created the DSM-5, that some of the new new uh, diagnoses in there were actually kind of aimed at sidelining, you know, some of the people complaining of experimentation. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that was done consciously or just happened to be that way, you know, there'd be no way to prove that. Well, we only have a few seconds left. Why don't you give out your web address again where they can find your book? Uh, newbreedmovie.com uh, can be found there. Of course, amazon.com. Um, barnesandnobles.com. Uh, and we are working on a, uh, a movie based on a new breed. The movie is called Targeted, and the trailer is available on several sites. And I am on Facebook uh, under Guinea Pigs Technologies of Control. Dr. Hall, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today again, and hopefully we'll have you back on when that movie comes out. Uh, listeners, today my guest has been Dr. John Hall, author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Thanks for listening. Until next week, God bless. your life jacket this message brought to you by the national state boating council and the women who nag you <clears throat> uh, love you